0: Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. If you want to see Holy Ghost God confidence, come on in Galatians. This is where Apostle Paul threw his apostolic credentials and put it on the table. Challenged everyone and told them, listen, I am speaking by the authority of none other but the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are you speaking by? This is the book where he threw down the apostolic gauntlet, if you will. Because in Galatia, his authority was challenged. Because he was teaching things they had never totally given thought to. And they said, Who in the heck are you? By whose authority are you saying these things? And he quickly got them straight on that. Amen? So I'm saying this to you prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Give yourself to thought and meditation in the word before you even get here. Prepare your heart so that God can, can, can really implant the seed of his word in you to get result. This is a book where we learn about the walking in the spirit. No other book in the Bible deals with it. No other book. Jesus didn't teach it. Peter didn't teach it. Nobody started. This is why I submit and I really truly believe That Paul's gospel is the gospel of salvation. You don't understand Paul's gospel? Maybe you're not saved, and if you're saved, you're limping. True. Where else are you going to find walking in the spirit? Who breaks it down? Paul. Amen? I almost want to start teaching on Galatians right now because (laughs) I feel like I mean it, but I have to hold it back. Prepare yourself, and I'm encouraging you, let all the believers know through your social media connection and network. Bring them in here so God can help all of us develop the body of Christ in the way it should be developed so we can move forward and be a blessing to this generation in Jesus' name. All right, for today, good. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Ephesians chapter 1, for today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to begin to read from verse 15 to 23. I'm going to be speaking on the enlightened heart. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That a God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, wait a minute now. Let's go back to that verse 16 again for one quick second. Verse 15, I'm sorry. Verse 15. Let, let's, 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 let's take it slow here and I won't, I won't take long. Let's just take it slow. Therefore, I also... After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to take attention here that the people to which Paul is writing are already believers. As he just made clear in verse 15. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So clearly, he's writing to believers. Now, go back now to verse 17. Thank you. That the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wait a minute, these are believers already. What did they need wisdom and revelation for? Hello, are you guys here? In verse 15 he's told us clearly that these guys are saved and they love the saints. But to these saved folks who love saints, Paul said, I'm praying for you daily. Because the fact that you are saved and you love the saints does not necessarily mean that you fully understand the reason for your salvation and what you ought to be about as a result of being saved. Therefore, my role as an apostle to you, Paul is saying, I'm praying for you for wisdom. What's wisdom? Wisdom. Wisdom, the Bible tells us in Proverbs, is the principal thing. And in, that, in all that getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Wisdom allows you to, the things you know, and then when you have wisdom, you know how to apply it, how to do it. So Paul is saying, Yeah, you are a believer. But I'm praying for you that even though you are a believer, that you get wisdom. And not just wisdom, which is the application how to do what you already know. But revelation, a revealing is to so take place. We're still walking as will in the glass darkly. So he like, said, I'm praying that you get clarity. You have understanding. You know exactly why. Why God has called you to be a part of this great army of believers. Verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Let me just stop there for right now. So, so far in Ephesians, if you read the first four, the first uh, 14 verses, Paul established four things. In verses 1 through 14, four things is already told them. Number one, it tells them, you are chosen. God has chosen you. And you and I need to be confident in that assurance. Things, life will happen to us, things will happen to us. We will find ourselves in situations and circumstances for which the enemy says, ah, you are a useless man or woman. Look what you have done. Look what you have not done. Look where your friends are. Look where you are. And the enemy will wear you out by pointing and showing you things where he feels you are deficient and so sits in your mind to cause you to doubt the validity of who you are. So Paul says, first thing you need to know, God chose you before the foundation of the world now some people use that to say does it mean that God chose some people to go to hell and others go to heaven no no god's choice for me and you is based on his foreknowledge romans chapter 8 okay so we are chosen you need to know that say you are chosen say i am chosen it's very important Whenever the enemy comes against you and tries to give you you this uh, wrong impression of who you are or what God is to you, remind him, I'm a chosen one. I'm a chosen one. You must remind him that. Jesus said that in John chapter 16. He said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. He chose you. Do you know what choice means? If you're a woman here and you do shopping, you know what the choice means. You go to the clothing store. They have all kinds of designer makes on the rack, and you look and look and look and look and look and look and look. Some of you look for five minutes, others so five hours. <laughs> I won't mention the names. Praise God, God help you. <laughs> but after looking and looking and looking, you finally make your choice. I say yes. Of all this beautiful clothing and all this designer clothes here, I've chosen this one. And you go home thrilled, satisfied, that you've chosen what you want. You must understand that God has no regrets about you. Oh, God has no regrets whatsoever about you. Yes, Because God's choice of you is not dependent on what you did or did not do. He chose you when you had not done anything. You have not had the opportunity to do jack. And he said, I'm choosing you anyway. So you must not allow the enemy to now use performance to qualify you with God. Because God does not use that. He doesn't use that. He looked at Jesus who had not done jack. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus had not taught Bible study. He had not healed the sick. He had not done nothing. And God said, I'm well pleased with him. So you are chosen. Say, I am chosen. chosen. Remember that. The next time the enemy tells you something is wrong with you, let the enemy know, I am a chosen one. When God called Paul in Acts chapter 9, and Ananias was complaining. Oh my God. Just like the devil complains about you and I. Ananias was, God, do you know this Paul that you are going to use? Do you know his resume? This is the persecutor of the church. He's killing them. What did God answer? I have chosen him. That's it. Case closed. I have chosen him. So all your grievances, all your complaints, let's just summarize everything. Let's say, you know what? I'll have everything you're saying, but you hear me. Just one sentence. It's my chosen one. End of story. So I am chosen. Say, I am chosen. See, because you say it long enough, you're going to start believing it. And once you start believing it, you're going to start living it. The reason we don't live it is because we don't believe it. So, number one, it says you are chosen. Number two thing he established in the first 14 verses is that we are adopted. (laughs) We are adopted. We are adopted. You know, some people, they want to be adopted to the Rockefeller family because Rockefeller has money. Some wants to be adopted to uh, who? Who else now? Who else has money? Warren Buffett. Bill Gates. No, 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 no. You and I have been adopted to the greatest family on the universe. A family that exists in heaven and on earth. Yes. You must understand the sole purpose of our salvation. It's not just to get us saved. No, we were saved so that you and I can be grafted into the family of God. To become in the family line of God Almighty himself. Amen. So he says you are chosen. Then he says you are adopted. And the book of Galatians defined for us what it means to be adopted properly. That's another reason you should be here for Galatians. I don't have time to go into all of that now. What does adoption mean? Paul says you are adopted. Number three, he tells them, you have been redeemed. You have been redeemed. The enemy had plans for you, but God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, breached that whole thing and redeemed you, brought you back to his original intent. Redeemed. When something is redeemed, it means it used to be something, and then something happened to that condition that made them not be what they used to be, and then when they are redeemed, it's brought back to the original intent. So you are not only chosen, you are adopted and redeemed. You are redeemed. So now, now, you're on the track to fulfilling original purpose and intent. But that's not all. If that was all that had been established, that would have been good enough. Then he tells him one last thing, verse 14. He said, Not only were you chosen, adopted, and redeemed, to now put it all together, and make it a great package. A bundle, if you will, you've been sealed. Sealed. Say, sealed. sealed. Hallelujah. Say, I am, I am chosen. chosen. I am, I am adopted. adopted. I am, I am redeemed. redeemed. And I am, I am sealed, sealed. By, the by the Holy Ghost. That is important. So there is no getting out of this thing. You've been sealed. You know when a thing is sealed? You know what that means? Why is a seal placed on any document? Why do you seal it? Okay, let let, let me go back. Let me go to to a recent matter that all of us may be familiar with. Are you guys all familiar with what happened in Chicago with Jussie Smollett? No, that's him, yeah. yeah. And, and, And his lawyers went to the prosecutor, they cut a deal, and the deal was made, and then we found out that the case has been settled, no jail time, no fine, and not only that, the case is sealed. What does it mean that's sealed? None of us can know what happened. It's been sealed. So whatever negotiation took place, whatever agreement they had, sealed. Sealed means it's no longer for public consumption. You cannot see it. You are not Privileged. To know the details of what happened. So when God says you and I are sealed. The idea is. The deal that God made with God. Oh you didn't hear what I just said. God made a deal with God. And between God and God. They looked at you. Say all the deficiencies. All the problems. All the issues. We'll solve it. And we're not going to ask anybody else to confirm it. We seal it. Sealed. It's nobody's business. Sealed. The Holy Ghost has what? Sealed us. Now, to the point we are making today, in the next few minutes, you know we are chosen. We know we are adopted. We know we are redeemed. We know we've been sealed. One will think, since all these are true, we should have no problem living a life of freedom and joy. Because after all, what else do you want? You are chosen. Which means you have the right identity. You are adopted. You belong to a family. You are redeemed. You've been brought back to original intention. And then you are saved. If you had a billion dollars in the bank, would you be worrying about being homeless? Absolutely not. If you had a billion dollars in the bank. Being homeless will be the last thing you're going to be thinking about. If you have a billion dollars in the bank, not being able to provide for your children will be lasting on your mind. If you had a billion dollars in the bank, where your next meal is coming from, is not going to be an issue. Not unless you have some kind of serious mental issue. So Paul is trying to help me and you to understand, listen, all of these things have happened. They have already happened. Now, the reason me and you get into fear and the reason we don't live up to this expectation is because we're still asking the question, am I accepted? Can I be safe? Am I loved? These fears and insecurities continue to drive much of our selfish behavior. And that's why I keep on saying to you, You should be here at 9 a.m. The things that's been taught taught at the 9 o'clock class, Jesus' life, are so critical. For instance, this morning, we talked about some of these things this morning, the self-life, self-confidence versus Christ-confidence, self-righteous versus Christ-righteousness, and on and on and on it goes. Amen? And because we don't feel accepted, we don't feel saved, we don't feel loved, we now begin to cope with those issues using flesh methods. That always leads to conflict and frustration. It never works because God never designed for you to work out, for, for, uh, like that. So, now, so this is the reason, so, so this is the point. So, Paul realizing these things, that in spite of what God has done for these guys, the cho- being chosen, being adopted, being redeemed, and being sealed, they still had issues. So he said to them, I have to keep on praying for you. I know you're born again. I know you love the saints. But the reality of your born again experience is not manifesting itself. Therefore, I'm praying that wisdom will come to you and revelation that you finally see what I see, what God has seen all this while. That if you see it, perhaps you'll be able to believe it and make the adjustments you need to make. Amen? Amen? You see, because... Knowing the truth and living the truth are two different things. Huge, big golf. The very first class at the nine o'clock class time addressed that. These two concepts of the difference between the things we know versus the things we feel. You know suddenly you know that you know that you know that Jesus is God. You know that. God is good. You know that. God is love. You know that. But do you believe it? Do our decision-making process factor in the fact that God loves you? You see how quiet it is? It's true. But when that becomes a reality, the the, the entire process of your decision-making and your choices would be totally different. Totally different. Because when when, 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 when you really get to the place where you really truly believe that God truly, yes, genuinely loves me, Then worries about how you're going to take care of yourself, how you're going to pay your bills, all of those worries totally completely dissipate because you understand that even if he does not pay the bill, he has something better. Wow. (laughs) All things work together for good. For those that love the Lord and for those who have been called According to His purpose, and remember, you cannot love God until you first understand that He loves you. So, when you read that, read that scripture in Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good for them that love the Lord. In parenthesis, put it there because He first loved me. Yes. You can only love Him back as a as a as a as a response to the love you received. Amen. So, all things work together for them. That's what happened to the three Hebrew boys. When Nebuchadnezzar threatened to put them in the fire. He said, king, we won't even consider what you're saying. You can threaten us. You can rail. You can shout. You can do whatever you want to do. It's it's, it's not a matter of consideration. We will never obey you. Because our confidence in our God is not controversial. It is a settled issue. We trust that God will deliver us. They were not to say. But even if he does not. And I'm telling you guys, that's where we need to be to. That's where we need to get to. Because that confidence was, even if God did not deliver them, there was something better at the end of that situation. Yeah. But the problem for me and you is, we are not willing to allow God to play it out. Because our default is to find quick deliverance. Resolve the pain. Ah, this is comfort. I don't like it. God, solve it now. Resolve it now. Resolve it now. Whereas, God says, if you go through this pain, at the end result, you get to know an aspect of me you could not know on this side of the pain. That's the problem. So the truth we know, and the truth we live, are to. Totally different things. Now, let me just close by talking about the three things Paul prayed for specifically. Three specific things he prayed for for these believers in Ephesians. Number one, that in Ephesians 1 verse 18, he says, he prays that they know the hope of their calling. Wow. He prayed that they will know the hope of their calling. Thank you. So let me ask you a question. How would you define a life that's well spent? What would be the barometers of saying, ah, this man lived a good life, or this woman lived a good life? How will we define it? Are we going to look at the pursuit of athletic fame and glory? Are we going to look at the scientific achievement? How many Nobel Peace Prizes they won? Are we going to look at the shrewd financial investments they were able to make and the vast amount of wealth they accumulated? How do we determine a life that's well spent? Let's just go to a scripture Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Thank you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So now, the question is, how do I lay up treasures in heaven? I can't take my U.S. dollars to heaven. Uh, Have you guys ever seen anybody in a casket and they line up all the $100 bills around them? If they did that, i would be crazy. Worms will eat up the money before the guy can, before before, before, before he dies too good. No. So Jesus is telling us here, listen, put your priorities in the right places. And there's a reason for which he's saying that. And the reason is because there's a hope of a calling on your life. How do you define a life that's well spent? Now, pastor, are you against athletes and their performance? Absolutely not. No. Are you against scientific developments and achievements? No, 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 no. Are you against shrewd Investments that generate great finances? Absolutely not. Again, we talked about that in class this morning. When you're an athlete, 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 that is excelling, out of God, you are living for your own life. You're an athlete, yeah? So you're good, yeah? You're very skilled. You play basketball well, you play football well, you play golf well, you swim very well, whatever you do, wonderful. But if all the glory is just for you and does not point to the creator who endowed you from the beginning, it's a useless life. You, you didn't hear what I said. I say what? There's something more terrible than hopelessness. It's called uselessness. When something or someone becomes useless to their creator, it's a terrible thing. So Paul is saying, let me remind you, in praying for you, for wisdom and revelation, in these three prayer points, the first one I want to pray for you, efficient church, is that you understand the hope of your calling. In other words, why did God choose you to begin with? Why did He adopt you? Because I mean, look, you we, we, we see adoption agencies. When they try to adopt a child, there are so many criteria. I want a child to be black, I want it to be a girl, blah, blah, and the list just goes on. And with that list, they go to these agencies and try to see who should we adopt. You guys ever notice that there are not too many people adopting kids from Sudan? I don't mean that for a joke. You don't see adoption agencies here rushing to Africa to adopt kids. Okay, let's leave that alone. You guys are looking at me very funny. But the point I'm making is there's criteria. People who adopt have criteria for adoption. So Paul is reminding these people, there is a reason for which God chose you and then adopted you and redeemed you and sealed you. Have you ever considered that reason as you run about every day, nine to five, seven days a week, up and down, counting dollars in your bedroom? Hey, I made money again today, glory to God. Have you ever for once considered God the life that I'm living is it in alignment with the reason for my being chosen my being adopted my being redeemed and sealed? Because if it's not in alignment it's a one word useless. Men will applaud you. Woo! The greatest of all time is a goat. Tom Brady. Oh, Michael Jordan, he can dunk the ball. He does. We'll pay money to come and watch you play. Yes, we will. But at the end of the day, will heaven give you attention? The hope of his calling. Why are you here? Or shall I say, why are you still here? because we all only have one life to live. And the thing about this life that we live in, it's only a nano-fraction of what eternity looks like. If you live to be 200 years on earth, 200 years, you eat you, 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 your uh, keto diet, uh, you eat only vegetables, uh, you, you drink only water, you, 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 you do all of those things. You juice every morning. You juice in the morning, you juice at night. You are in the gym. You, uh, I mean, everything is in the right place. Okay, 200 years. <laughs> we'll clap. oh God bless this man with great long life. 200 years. That 200 is not even a nano of a fraction of a second of what eternity means. I mind you in the afterlife you will just be as aware then as you are now. No, you are not on tranquilizer where you, just sleep, you don't remember anything. You will be well aware. Whoa! Look at all the days and months and years wasted watching Scandal. Ah! I'll watch one, one too many of Empire episodes. <laughs> Amen. So Paul is challenging them. Don't take your being chosen for granted. Don't take your adoption, adoption for granted or being redeemed or, or, or being sealed. No, 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 no. My prayer for, notice the prayer I pray for them. Notice this, notice this. He did not pray for them to have more money. I was in the place yesterday, and when I was leaving the place, the, 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 my, uh, the people I was visiting with said, please, pastor, don't leave. Pray for my husband for the anointing to cast out devils, uh, to heal the sick, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they had a the laundry list. But I understand the limitation of their understanding. I understand where they're coming from. And so, because that's what they wanted, that's what I prayed but they would have been better off if I prayed this, like, this prayer for them. Because when you understand the hope of your calling, and if within the context of the calling you need to cast out devils, guess what happens? Devils will be cast out. Devils will be cast out. But because we don't understand our calling, we're going heteroskeleton. Let me give, use myself as an example. And this may be the only, well, I don't know, we'll see. When I was, I uh, got born again maybe what? Uh, maybe two years. And then I had a, an open vision, if you will. And in this vision, the voice said to me, you, some of you guys may have heard it before. What is your name? I first resisted. What kind of voice is this? What, what kind of stupidity is this? You're asking me what my name is. Am I that Sinai that I don't know my name? I'm arguing with his voice. And so finally I answered, I said, my name is Bankole." I said, oh, good. Do you know why you're named that name? Ah, so I'm saying to myself, stupidity, stupidity upon stupidity. <laughs> First you want to know what my name is. Now you're asking me if I know why I'm called that name. And I accepted the voice, because my parents were in a building project and traditionally and culturally I was given that name on the basis of what was happening in their life. Now this is where it got serious. The verse now said to me, the next time you see your parents, ask them, they were not building Jack. They were not even building a hut. But I gave you that name because I'm calling you to help build my house. Now I'm going somewhere. When I heard that, now, for one year I didn't share that with anybody. Because that was so profound. I'm just a newly born-again person. How do I handle that? I'm gonna help build a house. Not long after that, in the church where my wife and I were, my pastor came to the pulpit. Stop front, church, stop front. Ah, I said God has spoken to him. And we're gonna build God a mansion. A church that will be so powerful, so incredible that Atlanta will know that God's done something here. Ah! I said, That's me. I began to, I said, I'm going to be the one God will use to build this house. I made plans, went to Hong Kong, bought things. I'm going to buy and sell and buy and sell so God will empower me to build. True story. You guys are laughing? True story. I'm buying and selling, I'm buying and selling. Why? Because I'm bankole. I will help build the house of God. Until one strange man, stranded in Atlanta, called that church one day. He was stranded, he was looking for someone to help him. And the guy that answered the phone, Rodney Jackson. Ah, by the way, there's a Nigerian here in the church, he said, deacon. He said, okay, please tell him what, what, what my plight, my condition is. That's how I came to know John Wabugu. That's his name. I got the phone, talked to him. He said, I'm standing in college park, days in. He was just looking through a phone book, saw the name of the church, and called. And they gave me information. So I went there to pick him up. Brought him to my house. Do you remember? His close friend, too. I brought the man to our house. We began the fellowship, Fellowship, maybe week number two. I, I, I now felt led to share with him my burden about how I'm going to build a church and do this and that. He said, eh? this guy's a pastor in Nigeria. He said, tell me your story. So I told him how God has given me the vision to help build a church, that church. And the man just started weeping. The more I talk about my story about how I'm going to go to Hong Kong and China and buy and sell, the more he wept. Ah. I'm saying to myself, what is, this? what is wrong with this man of God? This is weeping prophet. What is, what is his problem? I'm going to make money and he's, he's crying. He said, bank, sit down. He said, yes, you had a vision. He said, but you are misinterpreting it. He said, yes, you will build God's house. But not physically. God has called you to help build His people. Oh my God, Amen. I never thought about it like that at all. Yeah. Build people, not bricks. That's what happened. Immediately, I went to Bible school. Next day, immediately, and the rest is history. Why did I share that? I'm sharing that with you because many of you are in the wrong business. You are packed against the wrong wall. And you are climbing and climbing, and you, you climb a little bit, you come back down. You climb and you wonder why, why am I not successful? Why am I not fulfilled? I have money in the bank, I have this, I have that, but I still don't have any peace. No, you will not have peace. That's not the curse. No, I don't mean it like that. I'm saying that to say. Until you align with what your creator wants for you, you'll be restless. Why? Because your creator had a purpose. He has an original intention. The hope of his calling. And each one of us has only one life to live. There is no makeover. It's not the Super Bowl. You lost this year, you win next year. No! No! One life to live, one time to make an impression, one time. I know I'm not implying that everybody's called to the pulpit. Absolutely not. You've been, if you've been here long enough, you know that that's not true. We don't teach that, we don't believe that. Every one of us is a minister in our own right, in our own platform, in our own sphere of influence. Every one of us. Every one of us. You have a message. You have a skill, a life, a talent, an anointing that God has given you to connect with those that is bringing around you, whatever that may be. The hope of his calling. So Paul said, I'm praying for you that you will not miss it. It's only the smallest segment of our eternal life that's spent here on earth. This is the only time you and I will have to stand against evil. To help save men from eternal darkness. So, the bottom line here is: what we do in this life matters. What we do in this life matters. Now, let me just close this segment by this one example again. In Matthew chapter four, Jesus looks at those disciples in verse nineteen. He said, I'm calling you to follow me and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. And on the basis of that, they began to follow him. Three years! I mean, you would have thought if Jesus taught a person for three years, even if they were deaf, they should hear something. Yes. Don't, don't you think so, doctor? <laughs> I mean, this is Jesus in the front, teaching them every day. They give them examples. Three years! He gave them assignments, he taught them, gave them room to practice, on and on and on and on and go. Now let's go to John chapter 21. John 21. Gospel of John chapter 21. If I can find John, I'll be doing very well. Okay, I found it. (laughs) All right. Let's start from verse 1. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. After these things, what things? Resurrection has taken place. Jesus is appearing to people. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Next verse. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Look at verse 3. Simon Peter said to them I'm going fishing and they said to him we are going with you also they went out and immediately got into a boat, boat and that night they caught what? Nothing. no no you didn't say it again please they cut what? Nothing. please say it one more time they cut what? Nothing. does it take a rocket scientist to know why they cut nothing? what was the instruction in Matthew four 19? I'm going to make you fishers of men I'm going to make you what? Fishers of men. The moment Jesus went to heaven, they went back to their natural fleshly default. I'm a fisherman by trade. I've been fishing all my life. This is Jesus, three years of Jesus' ministry. The man is gone now. Which one concerns me? Have you, come on, man. I'm a fisherman. Hey, guys, I'm going fishing. And the rest of the jokers. None of them could check and say, ah, Peter, but we have a new calling. We've been called to be fishers of men. None of them. He did not occur to them. They said, you going fishing? Ah, oh, listen, my fishing rod, have, let me get my own to I'm following you. They all went. But God was waiting for them. You are going to go fishing? Go, go ahead. Who created a river? I did. And a fish? I did. If you know, obey me the fish will. Because you will fish all night and I've commanded the fish, get away from them. Are you guys seeing this? They fished all night and did what caught nothing. So if you are in a place of nothingness, maybe you should reconsider. You say, God, what is happening with me for which nothing is happening? What adjustments do I need to be making? Holy Spirit, help me. So in bringing this message to an end today, and just this one point, this is the point. The reason those disciples could not follow the original intent is because as of that point, they had not been sealed. Yes. They had not what? Been sealed. The Holy Spirit had not been released or dispatched to them yet. So they were still flimsy, up and down, over here, over there. They didn't know where to go, what to do. Because they had not understood the role and the ministry or the place of the Holy Spirit in their life. So they were still doing things on their own effort, based on their own strength, and by the arms of the flesh of man, no one can prevail. No one can prevail. Because finally on the day of Pentecost, (laughs) The lights finally came on. They finally realized, oh my gosh, we've been trying to do this on our own, all this while. When very simply we're carrying one within us who's been empowered, whose job, role, place is to help us to accomplish what God wants us to do. And once that happened, they began to make significant progress. Boldness they did not have, immediately they began to have it. Courage, they had it. In other words, the Holy Spirit became the one and all package, dear. Yes. And that's the same for you and I today. Our prayer this morning, be: God, help me to understand the hope of my calling. Yes, I'm chosen. Yes, I'm adopted. Yes, I'm redeemed. I'm sealed. But God, for what purpose? To what end? Now, let me say this to you. I don't want this to put you under any condemnation. No, 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 no. No. I don't want you to be burdened now where you have analysis, crit- uh, uh, what's that? Uh, crisis. You're just stuck. Ah, I cannot do anything until I know. No. That, that's the other extreme of this madness. Wherever you find yourself now, be faithful until you get clearer direction. Because the steps of a good man are all of the Lord. Wherever you are now, God led you there. Understand that. Honor God, God in that place. So God, this is where I am now. I don't know the next step, but right now where I am, help me, God, to employ my calling in this area where I am right now, so I can be faithful to you where I am now. And as you are faithful over a little, it makes you ruler over many. Yes. So don't plan to just escape from where you are now because you want to go obey God in something big, yonder. No, no, it doesn't work like that. God wants to prove your faithfulness where you are now. wherever that may be, be faithful. Are you loving God's people? Are you showing kindness to people around you now? Are you sensitive in the spirit to know, man, maybe this man has a need today. This lady is going through some problem today. I was, I was, uh, I had to go to Dallas yesterday. Dallas, Texas. And when I got to the counter to check in in the morning, you could tell that woman, I, I don't know what happened to her the night before, but should I just say, she was not exhibiting the fruit of the spirit. Wow. I mean, I, I, I have not seen anybody meaner or more mad. She was, the, the atmosphere around her. You could see the halo that says, watch out, I'm going to pick you to death. I mean, very, very, very mean looking and mean spirited. But when I saw that situation, I knew something had gone oral or wrong in her life. I knew it had to be because God did not create anybody to be like that to strangers, people you don't even know. I've not said anything, done anything. It's just me. So I'm saying to God, what, what can I say to encourage this woman? Because I don't want to just be another statistic. She checked you in. Statistics checked. How will the Christ in me be an impact to her life? So I said to her, I said, Mom, are you having a good day? Now, that was, that's, that's a loaded question because from what I'm seeing, I know her day kind of... <laughs> there, there was nothing good about that day. She just, Mom, oh, oh. She, she almost came there, oh, oh, oh. I said, okay, okay, okay. I said, it, sh- it shall be well, it shall be well. I-, I pray that you have a great day for the rest of your day. I, I didn't even think she said, thank you. But I dropped the seed. See, I cannot allow my life to be determined or defined by what other people do. I can only determine what other people do, what I do. That's it, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Very, very funny thing. On the flight back, I had another test, another big one. The lady sitting next to me misplaced her phone in the checking area around the gate at the airport. So I got on the airplane, I'm charging my phone, and then she starts looking for her phone. I said, oh my gosh, I misplaced my phone. And she just, which I understand all the information, blah, 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 blah. And for the rest of the flight, she's borrowing my phone. Let me send a text to my son. Let me send a text to my husband. So so when she sent one text, I said, oh, thank you. You are such a blessing. And I'm thinking, well, praise God, I rest for the rest of the flight. I'm trying to doze up. Oh, <laughs> All flight long. She must have sent. No, I'm not, I'm not, kidding. Check my phone. She must have sent about 12 texts back and forth. Because now the people she's texting, now they're responding to her. I don't know what she said to her Because because I never read the text, because that's not my business. I'm just trying to lend a helping hand. And so when so when I'm doing something else and a text comes, I have to give it to her. Somebody's on all and all, all night. Two hour flight. I'm saying, so, oh God, I don't need another test for today. Let me just go home and get him back." <laughs> but I thank God for the grace because once it started, I knew. I knew that my patience is been tested. I knew right away. I knew immediately. I said, oh God, give me the grace to pass this today. Amen. So that the hope of your calling in my life will not fail. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Because there was another person next to her, she didn't ask her. (laughs) And because I did it one time, she did it about 12 times later. So Paul is praying for all of us. Recognize the hope of his calling. Let's bow our heads. The hope of his calling. how are you living this one life? This one life that God has given you. How? How are we living it? How God conscious are we on a day-to-day, moment by moment? Dr. Nuffek said it again very well this morning. The fact that, you, the fact that I passed a test yesterday does not mean I'm going to pass one for today. If I do not continue to walk in the Spirit, I'll flunk today. That's the point. So this issue of working in the Spirit is not an option. It's something that all of us must seek to understand and really master. What adjustments would the Holy Spirit want to make in us now? How open are we for the Holy Spirit to bring that adjustment into our lives? Mind you, it's not going to ask you to do anything on your own because you can't. He's going to be the one in you, walking in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So Father, like Paul prayed for the efficient church, I pray this prayer for me and for this congregation and for all of those that listen to this message through whatever means available. Thank you for your scandalous Unconditional, unlimited love. The love that we don't even understand. We we, we can't even begin to understand why. David asks you the question, what is mine that you are so mindful of him? Given how fickle we are, up today, down tomorrow, why, why, why do you love us so much? We don't know. We don't know. And we're not trying to know why you love us. We just want to receive it, embrace it, and we want to thank you for your loving kindness. You are the God that sings over us with joy. You've called us with your holy love. And so, Father, we thank you for that love right now. We thank you. We thank you for your love towards us. We receive it. We bless you for it. And so, God, because you love us, You said that all things work together for those who are called, who loves the Lord and called according to your purpose. And so, God, we place ourselves in that prayer with Paul now. That we come to a place of revelation and understanding of the hope of a calling towards us. Why have you chosen us? Why did you adopt us? Why did you redeem us? Why did you seal us? What is it, God, about us that gives you pleasure, gives you delight? And so God, help us today to join you and partner with you, Lord, in whatever you are doing and seeking to do through us. We surrender to that now. Holy Spirit, we are thanking you that we surrender to your move. We surrender to your prompting. We will no longer fight it. Peter tried it. We went back a fishing and he caught nothing. We want to be useful vessels in your kingdom. And so God will say, like Moses said, Here am I. Here am I. Here am I. God, send us. Use us. Mold us. Shape us. Make us ready to bring you honor and to bring you glory. Father, we thank you. We bless you, we praise you, Lord God. Thank you for the uh, unction to function in your kingdom. Holy Spirit, thank you for guiding us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. See you next week. Hallelujah. I think we can do better than that.